Pack Warriors, Tanse, Sego, Ani, Buju, Kwe, Ninda Luizi, Pampometer, and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This podcast is a show about living the warrior life, a lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, while at the same time revitalizing our cultures, traditions, and practices. Today I want to talk to you about reconciliation and what it means for cities, specifically cities like the greater Toronto-Hamilton area where I live. This podcast is based on an article I published with the Institute on Municipal Finance and Governance and I'll put the link to it in the podcast notes in case you want a copy. To my mind, reconciliation should not be about superficial gestures and celebrations, but should focus on substantive changes, the kind that turns status quo on its head. And that is where most municipalities fall down. Once mayors have done land acknowledgements and included some native culture in their annual Canada Day celebrations, they are often stuck about what comes next. Take the GTHA, for example. The GTHA, or Greater Toronto-Hamilton Area, is known for its diversity and remains the top choice for new immigrants to Canada. Nearly half of its population was born outside of Canada. Yet, they have little to no education about Canada's colonial past or colonial present. Being a new Canadian does not require new settlers to be well-educated on First Nation land rights and title, Aboriginal rights, or treaty rights. In downtown Toronto, one can venture to Chinatown, Little Italy, Little India, or Greektown to enjoy foods from around the world or sample arts and crafts during annual festivals. It's one of the things I most love about Toronto, its cultural diversity. What is missing, however, is a vibrant Indigenous presence in the GTHA. And that's not to say that we're not there. There's more than 50 Aboriginal organizations uh, that provide programs and services to Indigenous peoples. But most Torontonians are surprised to learn that as many as 73,000 Native people call the GTHA home. That's a lot of Native people in one centre. Yet there doesn't appear to be a proportionate focus by city councils like the GTHA on their role in reconciliation. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission's 94 calls to action were not recommendations. They were calls to action. They were meant to be implemented in an ongoing way. And it reminded every Canadian that truth Justice and reconciliation with Native people is not just the responsibility of the federal government and even the provincial governments. It's also the responsibility of municipalities, universities, businesses, the media, and individual Canadians. Historically, whenever Native issues arose in the media, everyone looked to the federal government to respond to provide a solution. But reconciliation is everyone's job. And the real goal of reconciliation is not met by a one-time political apology, the renaming of National Aboriginal Day to National Indigenous Peoples Day, or the many land acknowledgements that are done before city council speeches and events. 
And that's not to say that hanging native artwork in offices, doing land acknowledgements, changing the names of buildings and street signs aren't important. But there are many, many substantive things that aren't being done. Reconciliation, to my mind, requires that municipalities fully engage in the difficult process of getting to the truth. Not just the horrors of residential schools, but of genocide, land dispossession, stolen resources, economic blockades, and ongoing racism and violence towards Native peoples by their own city employees and agencies like police forces. This is the reason for today's impoverished socioeconomic conditions in First Nations and their exclusion from Canada's economy and denied opportunities. It is through no fault of their own. Federal, provincial, and municipal governments have literally blockaded First Nations from engaging in both traditional and modern economies through their racist laws, policies, and practices. Governments at all levels and businesses have benefited from the theft of First Nation lands, waters, and resources, and the modern legal system which continues to breach Aboriginal treaty and land rights with impunity. Reconciliation isn't about apologizing on behalf of your ancestors. It's about acknowledging the privilege and benefit you get from and ending your role in our current and ongoing dispossession and disadvantage. These injustices have resulted in crisis level urban homelessness amongst native city dwellers, the over-incarceration of native peoples at astounding rates, the over-representation of native children in foster care in numbers higher than those during residential schools, the high rates of police-involved deaths of native people in cities, and the ongoing crisis of murdered, missing, and trafficked native women and girls. The GTHA has considerable work to do to start making amends, not only for its own colonial legacy, but for the ongoing injustices lived by urban native people in the region today. In my vision of the GTHA, we should be able to walk, bike, or take a bus to places in the region that showcase indigenous arts, culture, food, entertainment, education, recreation, government, politics, and business. This isn't just about highlighting arts and culture. It's also about making room for government and business. We should also be able to see Indigenous peoples and our nations represented throughout the entire GTHA no matter where we live, work, or play. Because remember, no matter where we are, you are always on Native lands. For National Indigenous Peoples Day, the City of Toronto erected a medicine wheel in a prominent location beside the Toronto sign at Nathan Phillips Square. That was impressive and it's an important contribution to remind all residents, new immigrants and tourists about their role in reconciliation and in fact that we still exist. However, why was no symbol 
as strong and as prominent as that one, which represents our native presence, erected in every other prominent location in downtown Toronto and throughout the GTHA. Native people should be able to see ourselves reflected in many significant places every day of the year. And I would argue Native people should see themselves reflected in every single space where settlers see themselves reflected. Tokenism doesn't cut it, nor do special events. Good intentions are no longer enough. We need to move beyond the celebratory, which often historicizes Native peoples, and move towards substantive reconciliation. And we will know it is real reconciliation because it will be uncomfortable and it will be difficult at times. But a real apology means accepting responsibility for what has happened, promising to never let it happen again and ensuring that it doesn't, and finally, making amends. And that's where the conversation often drops off. Drops off. We're not talking about how do we make amends. The GTA's contribution to an increased support for social programs to address issues related to homelessness, racism in policing, inequitable access to health services, and violence against Native women and girls is part of the answer, but not all of it. The same can be said of the support for Native cultural and service-based organizations. That's part of the answer, but not all of it. The region must do more than merely address the symptoms of ongoing injustice. It actually has to work towards ending injustice and then making amends for the people who suffered from it. Making amends for past and ongoing injustices, many of which cannot be undone, requires a fair transfer of land, wealth, and power back to Native people. And in case you didn't catch it the first time, real reconciliation and making amends for past injustices, which can never be undone, requires a fair transfer of land, wealth, and power back to Native peoples. Nothing else, nothing less, will be real reconciliation. So the question is, what would this look like in the GTHA? How would the GTHA put that into action? Well, for starters, city councils and businesses should identify lands and buildings that could be used to support Native individuals, Native businesses, community groups, social and advocacy organizations, and Native governments to carry out their work. These native hubs should not be tucked away in remote parts of the region or the least desirable locations or the most run-down bu buildings that you don't care about anyway, but must include prominent locations. These lands and buildings should be designated as reserve lands so that First Nations can enjoy their rights to enact and enforce laws on those properties and access their minimum tax exemption rights related to sales and income. The many ways in which cities can work to ensure that First Nations get to access the maximum benefit of their rights, including tax exemption and lawmaking and enforcement, is a core part of reconciliation. 
This might mean some sacrifices by municipalities, or I guess I should reword that. It will require sacrifices by municipalities. A transfer of lands and resources means more for one and less for another. It means letting go of a small portion of the wealth and power that was stolen from Native peoples and rightfully belongs to Native peoples to be shared, to be transferred to Native peoples. In terms of wealth, the region needs an Indigenous procurement strategy to ensure that a percentage of contracts and services in the region are designated for Indigenous individuals, businesses, and communities. And when I'm talking about that, that doesn't mean contracts flow to non-native businesses who hire one token native employee, which so often happens in the procurement process. It means fundamentally altering procurement so that legitimate First Nation businesses get contracts. There are far too many opportunists, frauds, and fly-by-night native people claiming the rights of real First Nations under fraudulent identities. Municipalities need to put the work in with First Nations to ensure that these kinds of abuses don't occur in the name of reconciliation. Reconciliation is supposed to be about making things better, not making things better for settlers on their own. How would the region pay for all of this? Well, here's the thing. Reconciliation should be viewed as a cost of doing business, a cost shared by all residents, business owners, and governments alike. And while there is little chance of Native peoples ever getting adequate compensation for the lands, resources, and wealth that have been stolen or lost to the GTHA, Native governments and individuals need a fair share of that wealth that was stolen to reach their own goals of self-determination and sustainability. That's a key goal of reconciliation. A formula designed in partnership with local Native governments and organizations would ensure that Native people enjoy a share of the wealth that's created on their territories, including things like fees, fines, licenses, taxes, and royalties. Native governments and governance should be understood not only in terms of self-governance, but also increased powers within current municipal governance structures. Seats on each city council should be designated for local Indigenous governance and urban Indigenous representatives. And I am not talking about sharing power by adding token or advisory type seats without voting powers. It's about transferring power and making space within current councils for Native representatives. So if you currently have 10 people in your city council, you should have no less than four Native representatives. That means you have to give up four spots, not add four more. Indigenous peoples could help govern the region and ensure that proper communication protocols are designed, dispute resolution mechanisms created, and Indigenous municipal collaborations are enhanced for everyone's mutual benefit. This plan would require regional financial support from businesses and municipalities to facilitate 
Native community and urban participation on planning, policing, legal issues, business, financial, economic development, arts and culture, and social services committees in each municipality in the region. This governance plan goes far beyond arts and culture and gets to the heart of governance and collaboration. The plan requires significant changes in the way we govern, do business, and plan for the future. Every single person in the GTHA benefits from the historic and ongoing dispossession of land, wealth, and power of Native peoples, whether they have lived here for three generations or arrived only yesterday. That means everyone must contribute to making amends to Indigenous peoples. And yes, of course it's going to be hard. It was hard for Native people to have suffered this for the last 500 years. In fact, it was lethal. It has caused intergenerational trauma, some of which means that our people will never be healed. That's how hard it is. So anything that settlers have to do to make amends doesn't even compare in terms of difficulty. Those who have benefited most from our lands and resources might find these changes painful. However, nothing less will achieve true reconciliation and social justice within the greater Toronto-Hamilton area. We could be the best region in Canada in terms of education, living standards, economic development, environmental sustainability, and social justice for all, if we just take up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's call to action and collectively together do our part towards achieving truth, justice, and reconciliation with Native peoples. Anything less continues the colonial legacy of racism and dispossession. And, once you know better, you're obligated to do better. Now you know better. So it's your move, GTHA. Let's see what you're made of. Thank you all for tuning in to my show. If you like this podcast, please send it to every counselor in the GTHA. And also, please consider supporting my podcast by subscribing to it, liking it, and sharing each episode. I'm currently hosted on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Till next time, keep living a warrior life. Walala. Yeah, yeah, yeah.